Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. Thank you for joining us for Season 3, where we explore all things sports coaching. An Olympic and Paralympic special this week in what will be the first of two parts. The first will be me learning what the build-up so far has been like for my guests and their athletes as we take a look at how things are shaping up. The second, which will be released following both games, will be a review and discussion of their experience. This also does happen to be the 52nd episode of the Roundup, so a nice way to celebrate the first year. Enough from me, over to my guests to introduce themselves and tell us their current role. I'm Charlie Hayter and I'm with Great Britain Sevens as the team leader and assistant coach across both the men's and women's programme. Hi Phil, Craig Morris, uh, canoe slalom coach um, for Great Britain um, and yet yeah, looking and supporting athletes towards the Tokyo Olympics this summer. Hey guys, so I'm Ian Johns and I'm the head Paralympic coach uh, for British Judo. Fantastic. Gents, absolute pleasure to have all three of you join us. I know you are uh, super busy as uh, the rescheduling of this a few times has, uh, has shown. So very much appreciated. Really excited to kind of get stuck into this. Um, for those listening, I'm going to ask the guys basically just to do a kind of a quick introduction of where they and their programmes are at. A little bit of a brief rundown and then we're basically just going to kind of get stuck into it. And uh, I'm going to pose some questions and we'll see kind of what comes out the other end. So, um, Charlie, if you want to kick us off, where where are you guys at, at the moment? Yeah, we're an exciting part of the journey to Tokyo. So on the cusp of our first international competition in about 15 months for some of the players. Um, so been on a bit of a rocky journey over the last uh, time since the pandemic hit in, in 2020 with the, the individual union programmes um, kind of cutting back on, on where they were supporting sevens uh, and looking a bit uncertain on the lead up to the games. And then in December, we got the news that the National Lottery were, were going to support uh, a GB7s for the 2021 uh, seasons and the Olympics, which is just brilliant news for the whole programme. And in a pretty short amount of time, uh, got things up and running for a, for a March start um, and have got both the men's and women's programmes all kind of fighting for positions uh, towards Tokyo at the minute. So a lot of kind of learn-ons in the last uh, year or so um, and and really throwing ourselves into the mix to, to be in the best place we can uh, to achieve something which can be pretty special in, in Tokyo. Fantastic. Craig, hit us up. Where are you? Yeah, similar to Charlie. I think we, we've just got back from Italy, European Championships, um, first international competition for 18 months, I think it was. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like we're we're possibly the longest ever prospective Olympians, I think. Um, we, we, we got selected uh, and finalised for the British team back in October 2019. 1st of October was when it was, was signed off. Um, bit of a rocky journey from then. I think um, COVID first hit when we were on a training camp in Dubai. Um, and we were full gas then and the games felt real close. Um, you know, and since then, probably a fair bit of vulnerability for the athletes in would they... Would their places hold, wouldn't it? Um, thankfully for those guys, um, it, they were reconfirmed and ratified by the BOA and the IOC. Um, and then it's been a, a steady will it, won't it, uh, I guess, <laughs> since then. So, yeah, we've just had our first event um, since the test event, as I said, in November, which was in Tokyo. So we've spent five weeks out there already, which was time well banked in hindsight. Um, now, I guess we were due to be out for, I think, six trips in all. 
Um, obviously, that's still a little bit up in the air um, at present. But um, yeah, with venue specificity being a big thing for us, I think it was really interesting. Um, Charlie will perhaps open up on this uh, as well as Ian as well, that seeing how the, the skill transfer and attunement to a, a completely different river for us last week in Italy really panned out. And um, yeah, we're hoping to get a little bit of time on Tokyo, which is a bit similar to our venue here in, in London uh, before the Games. Fantastic. Thank you. Ian, what about you? Where are you guys? Um, I probably should start with that. Ah! Well, that's probably where we are, you know, like um, same as the same as the other guys, I suppose. We've got we've got our first international tournament coming up in uh, the next couple of weeks um, in Azerbaijan um, that was in Azerbaijan, but then got moved to Turkey and then it's been moved back to Azerbaijan um, because of COVID, because of um you know that the uh, the Azerbaijanis are at war with the Armenians. So, but we've got two qualifiers left now. Luckily, one of them's in our country, um, so it's it's a little bit easier to navigate and and, and whatnot. But even that was at, at at one university and it had to be moved to another university because of COVID worries. And um, you know you, we've got a bunch of foreigners coming over, so they the 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 first university were a little bit jumpy about that. So, you know just. I think as far as we're concerned, we we were out in um, we were out in Georgia just getting ready for our final two qualifiers. Um, so, uh, when when COVID really hit, we were supposed to be going to Japan the next the week after or something like that, and then that got cancelled. Then it's like oh gosh, then the whole world went really mad, um, you know. So I think in that period of time, um, we've we're a bit the same as as, as you guys, I suppose. Like. I mean, the, the paras are a good month after. So, um, but yeah, it's still the same feeling, you know, that we um, we've we've missed a, a good period of time. But actually, um, our guys have turned it on its head a little bit, which we could probably speak about a little bit later. You know, they've they've seen it as an a, as an opportunity now, rather than a um, rather than a, a year wasted as such. Some of them have have really taken stock on what they've been doing and a couple of the guys have come back hungrier than ever like you know so actually you know, it's probably done us some favors a little bit of this the, uh, this kind of disruption to uh, life-changing competitions such as the Paralympic Games. Great stuff thanks Ian. So I, I guess my first question is like are there any lingering doubts that it won't happen for any of you is, like could that still be a possibility? Or, or is it kind of you just crack on until you're told otherwise it's not something you necessarily consider? Like, I think given the year we've had, I think you'd be foolish to say definitely to anything. Uh, but all the all the all the news we're getting is that the games will, will go ahead uh, in, in the guise, and and that's just really exciting for the amount of effort that multiple teams and people have put into this. Uh, it's it's going to be a huge event. I think not over-dramatising it, but for the world as well, to have a significant event of the Olympics going on is a huge step on, on where we're at. Uh, so hopefully all plans ahead for, for Tokyo in the summer. Nice. If, if that doesn't happen now, Charlie, it's basically down to you, you know, kiboshing that. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, we've got it recorded. No, that's all good. Um, so, I, I mean, professional sport is professional sport. There's... <laughs> the nature of it has lots of ups and downs can you kind of try and quantify like how big a disruption has this been 
I guess maybe your individual mentalities or have, have, have there been real lows where you're just going, you know, what's the point in this? It's never going to happen to kind of, you know, bang, we're back on the road again, similar for your athletes. Like what kind of from a psychological perspective, where, where have you guys kind of been at on, on, I guess the last kind of, yeah, 12, 14, 15 months. But I'm supposed to be like 42, 43 years old. I feel about a hundred years old. Because um, I've definitely aged, I can assure you. Like, um, you know, I think that the biggest problem. So I'm an organizer. Like, I, I organize stuff. I plan ahead by miles. Um, I've got every single session planned from now till we we fly out on August the 18th, and then and then even after that, I've got all the sessions planned for the, uh, the Paralympic Games. So, but what's the point? Like I look at it sometimes and I think, well, what's the point? What have I gone? What have I spent hours planning this for and putting all these periodization plans together when, you know, like, like Charlie, you know, on the head, you know, you'd be foolish to think it, it's going to how it's not going to. We're just going to have to go. With it. We've we've come up to that that you know that thought process. We've I've, I've planned numerous training camps abroad, um, some training camps here in, in this country, and and one person. Uh, catches COVID, that's it, the whole thing's kiboshed or, uh, you know, we're supposed to have a competition in Turkey, that we were, that went on a red list and then we couldn't go to there you know, so you know, I, I think like me as a, as a person, I've, I've become a little bit more like oh, I, we've got what we've got here, we just have to get up a bit and, and just do what we can and, and that's what, my, I feel my fighters are better at that than me because um, like I say, they, they rock up and they fight then they come home and then they relax and then they train and they go back and they fight whereas myself I'm constantly bigger picture as a coach I'm thinking about what's the one after that what's the one after that um yeah so so yeah I think like myself that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned that I'm just gonna have to you know I'll just take it on the chin that this month might not look like what I wanted it to look like so yeah yes it's Really interesting stuff there. And I think uh, I've, I've, I've got this rule with myself now that like any change in decision, I'll wait a week until I start planning because it's probably going to change in that week anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I've been operating on that. I think, um, I mean, we'll go on, I think, Phil, to talk about maybe like the impact on the athlete or the players. But um, I think for self, yeah, fair, fair to say it's kind of made me pretty introspective around considering why I coach and, you know, is it enough? Um when, when you get a bit of perspective on life that COVID's given, um, but really actually kind of uh, reinforcing some of the why as well, and particularly the social side of, uh, of it for me. You know, I'm not massively driven by winning in itself. Um, it's more the, the journey to that or being part of that with others that, that motivates me. So that's been a pretty big void to try and creatively fill. Um, so, yeah, I think the motivation on the plus side, uh, uh, like, yeah, my daughter was one when it, when we were due to start leaving for a lot. And so, yeah, I had a, had a year at home um, that I wouldn't have had, which is um, going to be a big transition uh, and was last week. Um, but yeah, grateful for that on the, on the same side. So I think there's been pros and cons throughout, but definitely um, I'm not a planner like Ian. So I've probably had some, some level of advantage of, of kind of, yeah, weaving my way through it and got an amazing support team who helped me with the planning side because it really does drain my energy. So um yeah, I think kind of still finding our feet, like for us, the, the training camps into the games have changed about four times now. Um, and we thought we thought we got it pinned down and we found out that was different um, last week. So 
who knows how it'll turn out but yeah you just kind of got to take care of the business day to day I think from here on in and back yourself to do what you do yeah for, for, from my end I agree with, with what both the guys have said and uh, I think what this year has given is a huge amount of perspective um, similar to Craig I've got a young daughter at home and having the time with them over the, the period last year was, was, was brilliant and I think a lot of the the players in the squad found their own perspective over that period as well. Um, with having everything taken away from them at the kind of back end of 2020, uh, to now be with, involved in the programme, albeit with a short amount of time. I think in previous teams I've been involved in, you can very easily turn your head to the roadblocks, um, and you know we can't do this because of X, Y, Z, or, or this is standing in our way. I think overall there's been a, a bit of a change in the dynamic of. Um, we have to be a strength-based, positive, relentless positivity-based programme um, and just accept that there are going to be challenges. And the the side that comes out best, whether that's performance-wise or, or ending up with a medal, will be the team that can react and cope with adapting and changing better than anybody else. Uh, and for us, it may not be down to the best team winning. It may be down to the best team that can cope with the protocols that are in place, the games, how they adapt to being to a village, how they adapt to being in stricter quarantine or, or different COVID regulations that are at the games. And all these factors come in that are off the field, uh, which will have a big impact to performance on it. Um, and the way that we've been as a, as a country, I'm not sure how this is with other sports, but certainly us as a sport throughout the whole time we've been um, in the last few months has been, been pretty strict with our COVID rules. And other sides may not have gone through that, that rigmarole of, of the, the kind of rules that we're facing at the moment. But comes to the games, if it is what we're hearing at the moment in terms of what it could be, that could stand us in really good stead. Um, so again, just the positives, which you could look at and say, this is going to be restrictive, this is going to be a negative, but we've had the chance and opportunity to practice that with, with what we've got in place at the minute. Charlie, as, a, as like a team sport, I'm, I'm curious, like how has, how has it affected the social cohesion of the squad? I, I imagine that's pretty pretty important. Yeah, great question. And it's been a big, big part of um, what we do. So we were, we were a new programme effectively at the start of March. So not only bringing a, a full new team together five or so months out from the games, um, but without the usual ways of, of socially interacting, uh, whether that's coffee, cards, or actually getting together for a few beers, um, we can't do it. So we've had to kind of think of different ways where we can enable some of those conversations and the people side of things actually on the pitch and make space where we could be focusing on some of the technical details. But actually what's really important here is getting that that team cohesion, as you say. So making time for, for us to play some fun games, to give ownership to the players on on how they want to build those relationships. Um, and we did a lot of stuff virtually before coming in. As soon as we selected the squads, the, the initial training squads, we, we made sure we were on Zoom calls and, you know, putting a bit of time for the rugby, but most of it on just getting to know each other um, in any ways that we can. And as things slowly open up, we're now getting to this week in, in terms of having roommates, which is a, a big step for us. Uh, and those little bits will just keep drip feeding in so we can start having some, some conversations about the people. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, you, you made me chuckle there, just having just got back from Italy. We were, our, our dining room was disguised, uh, described as a chessboard because we all had single tables and we were like spaced out by one meter, like facing each other. It felt like an exam. Yeah. <laughs> Very exam hall. Yeah, that's how, we, that's how we find it at the moment. I would much rather prefer that. <clears throat> like if you've seen the judo guys eating, it's unbelievable. 
So uh, I just prefer them like by myself. I'll go sit up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I think like because obviously like judo, although judo is an individual sport, we're we're a partner sport. So like we ha- we have to have a big team of people together, and I think we've we've had the same kind of um, journey with the with the we split our program um, here at the uh, our national training center. Um, so we we train with our Olympic counterparts here. Um, and uh, during during the lockdown, we had a really um, good opportunity to split the program because our women's program is exceptionally uh, talented. They do really well. They, they get medals at every level. Um, our men's program has struggled over the last few years. Um, it just so happens that all the vision, vision impaired guys, they're all men. So like we were able to like split the program down in half. So we've got a men's program and a women's program. Um, and now the men's program is all working towards the same thing. We put together, I don't know, um, almost like a fight code of what people should be doing and what we want to see in our environment. Just trying to, it was a good opportunity for us to change our culture and, and, and what we wanted from this. Um, and when we're starting to see the fruits of it now, because our guys are training really well together, um, but there was a, a point in time where they were doing Zoom stuff. But everybody was on the Zoom call together and it was getting a bit, um, as they call it, zoomy, like you know, just <laughs> it, it wasn't getting enjoyable. And then as soon as you get them together, you can see that team back together, having uh, a laugh about something about this. And it's still a bit different for us coaches because we all have to. We're still all wearing masks, and we're still two meter distance from everybody. We don't get our pajamas on like we normally do to to get hold of them and and, and show techniques and, and whatnot. But we're slowly starting to get back um, what we had before in this real good team of people together i think lockdowns give us that it gives us the a chance to do that so we've made a real clear cut this is our men's program this is our women's program now so and the powers have have, uh, have gained from it that's a nice observation yeah i was, I was gonna ask you guys like I, i've sensed myself that there's there's a great like we're an individual sport obviously as well but we we, we live on in each of those pockets both in training and, and racing really I sense there's like a greater understanding of individuality amongst yeah. the athletes now, you know, even if they're like head to head competing with each other, I think yeah. the perspective COVID has given has has maybe taken people out of themselves a little bit more. I don't know whether I you guys have found similar. That's, that's perfect. That's spot on. Like we, we, I mean, we, what we did at one point um, in judo is that we basically give, give the guys a bit of time to go away and do some learning or go away get on a course or go away and do some other bits and just to remind them that you know sports are here for a short period of time you're only here to like you, you, your lifespan as, a, as an elite performer is only this so go away and learn something that's going to give you an advantage you know so some people signed up to online PT courses and you know in that in that block of time but actually some of them just came back and said you know I've just spent time with my family I've just like you know a couple of my fighters have, have got kids and whatnot so exactly like what you're saying there they spent time with the family did some homeschooling did and then when they they can't wait to get to training then you know it's, <laughs> yeah i think i have it have it almost like it uh, i think the word like having it removed and then they're like oh gosh we really like that 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 was that we really enjoyed Grinch, although we weren't showing it at the time but we actually quite like that um so our guy, our guys have definitely come back with a not just the para guys but the olympic guys as well have come back with a bit of zest that's for sure that makes sense like i was 
had an athlete retire a few years ago. Obviously, won't name them, but um, I think, and they were in like a, a same discipline group, so same gender group, all all competing for the same thing. And um, when they when they retired, they one of the first things they said there was like, I didn't realize at the time, but that that was one of the, the like most fun, enjoyable, joyous experiences I had training in that environment. And I think what COVID has perhaps given is like maybe a bit of perspective of that for the people who are still doing it rather than, you know, realizing that five years on um, when, when the guard's down and the ego's, you know, diluted a little bit, maybe. Do you, do you think this will change how your sports look at planning <clears throat> in terms of the value that the athletes have got out of that? Will there be maybe a little bit more perspective from governing bodies, organizing committees, whatever it might be to kind of go, actually, do, do does it need to be as full on 24-7 as it was? And, and actually there, there maybe needs to be a little bit more of a break or a little bit less pressure on these athletes. And sports seems, there seems to be a bit of a movement, well, there's a pretty heavy movement around better athlete welfare. And some of it is definitely just talk, I would argue, the cynic in me says. I think some of it is probably going to be a, rela- uh, a reality, which is great. But do, do you think that might change in, in how your future looks post, post games and whatever? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure because it probably... What it has done is, is made some of our fighters definitely think we need to get on with this. <laughs> so actually, like you know, um, the guys are turning up to training with much more intent, much more. It just seems like that we need to get in, we need to get training done, and we've got a lot more of that going on probably. And people maybe doing trying to do too much. Um, so that's that's probably athlete. And then probably staff like myself, I'm thinking to myself, right, I need to get this sort, I need to be on top of that, I need to get this video. Um, yeah, so I think probably it, it might go that way, but actually, you know, there's, I think probably what we were saying there, that there's, there's definitely some conversations about how you better yourself, what, what are you doing? So we were putting like a, a book club up and, and, and stuff like that, or putting quizzes on to try and sharpen them up a little bit and, and things like that, but you know, to, to, to look after the guys. But at the minute, it seems to be a little bit like people are trying to do too much. Um, they want they want to do more, in fact. Can I do this? Can I go there? Can I? Yeah. I certainly think it'll potentially make programme leads question why, uh, why they're doing things um, from a historic point of view in terms of we've done it this way and that's the way it's worked. Uh, I think with the athletes having time at home and seeing some of the physical outputs that you were getting from space, from freedom to choose what they could do physically more. Um, and it was a nervousness for us coming back into, again, a contact sport where they'd be at. But actually pretty pleased in that place where they came back in March, even though they hadn't had people to react against, they were potentially running against their dog to sidestep them or, or kind of chasing people in the park randomly. Um, but actually to come back in the physical way that they did. And is that something we can in the longer term instill more choice for athletes and more freedom for them to to kind of guide the training with the science that we can obviously have to back it up as an interesting one. And then I think the, the practical coaching point of view, there's a, there's a point in there as well around we've been restricted in the length of time we can do a session for on the pitch. And we've got to chunk that down into 15 minute blocks. And then we've got to have a break to sanitize our hands, ball, have a drink, all that stuff. But actually from a coaching point of view, having that specific block of time means you're more direct with your messaging or, or clear with your messaging because you've only got a certain amount to work with and you've only got a certain amount of time on the pitch and then you think right for the last period we haven't been able to have meetings indoors so what does that mean as a coach as a, as a kind of leader 
um, to make sure we're still getting the messages across. How much do you give to players and the ownership piece? So they're driving messages and can do that virtually um, and kind of take the messaging for themselves. So how and why you do stuff, I think definitely will be questioned and whether that has a knock on effect to, to the welfare side of things and, and managing things up, interesting place to see. No, that's great. I'd, I'd agree with that, Charlie. I'll maybe touch on the coaching side from a from a, like my own experience. I think, yeah, I'm hopeful there'll be a little bit more flex- flexibility because I'd agree. Like with with the guys that I think there's been some real positives for actually less contact time. Um, people finding themselves. I've seen I've seen probably more clarity around individual motivation for what they do. Maybe more curiosity for what they do. Uh, more energy towards it and, and as Ian said like more intensity when they're able to do it because they've been not able to do it for the first time in their lives I think in terms of us you know not accessing a white water venue and bouncing around up and down waves pretending we're cool for a few months it was you know seeing them back on there was definitely a shift change, shift change for sure um, I think on the coaching side like yeah I do feel we've been pretty well supported I think um, you know at times I think I think Danny Kerry described it on a podcast I listened to as like being forced to get off the hamster wheel and have a look from a distance. And that's been like, yeah, really groundbreaking. I think the kind of less is more philosophy has stuck in my head and seeing things more clearly from a distance with perspective, um, more transformational interactions than transactional. I think I've been guilty of the latter for sure. But I think, yeah, there's, there's a sense that, you know, a recalibration of what's important, like coaches to spend time with families. I think there's been a realization that athletes are perfectly fine if we're not on the riverbank, you know, 12 times a week. They might even enjoy it a little bit as well. <laughs> I tend to talk too much, so they definitely enjoy having a bit of peace when I'm not there. Um, but yeah, that sense of like, it's not getting out of the way because it's a guided space, isn't it? But that that sense of allowing people to kind of connect with themselves and their, their environments and, and flourish from there. And yeah, I'm hopeful we'll have learned a little bit from that um, and that we're not too intense and too too rigid in our planning moving forward. Yeah, I've, I've learned to be a little bit more selfish as well. Like, you know, I, um, every, just not showing off here, but I've been running every single day this year now. So I've done 130 days of running this year. For somebody that hates running the amount I hate running, like I only ever did running to lose weight when I was a fighter. So um, I played a bit of football and, and later on I, I played a little bit of rugby. I wish I played a little bit more rugby now. But um, So I hate running more than life. And I've, you know, I've had three or four uh, knee operations, so I can't stand it. But actually, half an hour to myself, 5K, I'm showing off now. I don't know. So it's 35 minutes sometimes. I've just recently got 27 minutes. Anyway, but um, like running's not my thing, but it's half an hour of selfish time. Like it's half an hour I listen to podcasts and audio books to go uh, listen to uh, Led Zeppelin's. I don't know, you know, I've, some music I've never listened to before, stuff like that. But every day this year, I've had half an hour to go and do some reflection and, and really, you know, just be a bit selfish because I mean, I'm sure you guys are the same that. Every waking minute of my day, all I think about is is these guys, like, and, and making sure that we get the Paralympic dream. It's, uh, you know, get, getting the guys over the line. Is I'm worrying about, you know, COVID protocols and this, that, and the other. But like, just doing something like that for myself, um, and I've and I've realised as well, I'm a I'm a bloody good cook. I didn't know that. 
I'm making calzones. I'm making, you know, uh, Joe Wicks's pies and stuff like that. So stuff I probably knew, don't, didn't know about myself where, you know, like you say, the guys are fine. Like, I don't need to be there for every single session where, where normally I think a Paralympic team and I have to be there every single session and I have to make sure that um, every single movement is watched on the mat and every single tip. I don't need to do that. Like, I've realised that. So, yeah, same as you. Well, that makes sense, Ian. Like, I, I think there's a sense, and it, I think it's a well-intended, like, intention from programmes and organisations that they want athletes to, to not be able to have any regrets or any kind of like um, reason why not. And I think it's well intended. I don't think it's like, you know, excusing of responsibility, but I, th I think the more time we spend connecting with athletes and what really matters to them, hmm. the more we realize we can be more efficient and yeah. probably look after ourselves a little bit more. What, one of the things that we always talk about um, is, is like, so when they're in the Budokan in, in Japan and they're finished and then they're laying on the mat, and they look up, and then my bad guys can't see anything. So, but when they look up and they think to themselves, um, "I did everything that I possibly can to 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 get here," then the result is fine. Like whatever that result is, if it's a win or if it's a loss, if it's a medal, if it's not a medal, then we're fine. Then I, th I think to about that, and I think, "Well, we don't do that. <laughs> like I won't be laid on on the floor thinking they don't do everything, here. you know." So actually, you know, just a bit of perspective here that, like. We, we we probably feel it a little bit more sometimes, you know, because they have to go into all the hard work. So they haven't got the energy to be to be doing um, to be so as like intent as we are. But we are for I mean, I am for five, six fighters. Like I feel it for every single one of them guys. They feel it individually in an individual sport. So yeah. So just having that bit of time just to to do that, and then just like I say, just a bit of perspective, bit of. Um, it's not the end of the world. Like you, you've done everything that you can do. You've got them here. They're over the line already. Like we can, we can sort this out. So, I think I heard in that that we're all going around to Ian's for a calzone for part hey, two of this. You're more than welcome. If you want to trip up to Scunthorpe, no problem. <laughs> you're gonna have to be able to keep up with that five k pace, though, Charlie. <laughs> no chance on that. No, I've only got one twenty-seven minute in me. That's it. I've done it. <laughs> That, that leads me quite nicely into the next question. So, I mean, what are the expectations? And, and obviously, you know, don't divulge if it's, if it's confidential, but in terms of, I guess, from kind of funding bodies, from external, um, internally, and like, how does that all come together? How do you and your athletes manage that? What, what kind of influence does that have on you? Kind of, yeah, where, how do you manage pressure expectation going into, you know, undeniably the, the biggest event in the world? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's nothing confidential about, like, certainly under a UK sport banner, I think uh, our target is well well published. Um, we're one to two medals, so we have four medal opportunities, Phil. Um, yeah, it's interesting, so I, and it's, it's been labelled by me, I don't really get into this stuff, but yeah, I've got three of the four opportunities that I'm fortunate enough to support. Um so, you know, there, there might be a perception that I would feel pressure and maybe I will. I'm sure I will to a degree at some point. But I think try to conceptualize it in, in the way of coaching, um, as I've always tried to do, really. So 
I think, you know, it's a fantastic achievement to represent an Olympic Games. I got I got nowhere near it, certainly. Wasn't selfish enough or even, yeah, in terms of my direction or motivated enough. So fortunate enough to be, you know, a small part of other people's journey on that route. How do we manage that? I guess um, really connect it. I mean, we're fortunate. Well, maybe not fortunate because it'd be cool to do it in a team perspective like Charlie as well. But um, I've worked with certainly two of the three athletes for like 10 years. So really kind of implicitly aware of intrinsic motivation and, and kind of their journey from teenagers, basically. And they're in the mid twenties now. So it's been a real calibration from like, yeah, beginning to find out where the sport was for them right through to, you know, absolutely career path and, and beyond. Um, so I think we manage it at an individual level and then just kind of communicate freely around it. Fantastic support team, like, um, to, you know, from British Canoe IS, UK Sport. Um, we try and operate really quite in a transdisciplinary approach where it's non-hierarchical and we're all like, kind of like, this is the question. Everyone's got autonomy and, and agency to interact around the question. It's not by discipline or, or ring fence to your particular perceived expertise. So... Yeah, really fortunate in that respect. Like I'm mindful that having deep relationships with people is something that I value massively. And it's interesting when you look beyond this games and, you know, will or won't people continue that kind of vulnerability around that is interesting. But yeah, essentially, I guess, as Ian said, like you just want to be able to deliver the best version of self. And I think the period of COVID has just really refined clarity of what the best version of self is for the athletes. I think they've massively used this time well as well as physically, like Charlie said, coming back and taking the big hits and running the miles of the sevens pitch um, super well. Like in, in our world, it's been like a really clarity in what the best version of self looks like um, on any given day. And just, you know, we were just calibrating around that in reflections from the Europeans last week. And we're just continuing to refine that as a, as a coach, as well as the athletes. Uh, really interesting one in, for us in terms of the expectations uh, around Tokyo. Um, we've, as I said, we've, we've been a programme for, for five months by the time we get to the Games. Uh, most other teams who will be competing have been together for five years. Um, and that's not to kind of diminish our chances, but um, our, our kind of tagline for the programme has been Mission mission Possible, uh, kind of inspired by Nims Perger and, and his, I don't know if you know the story around him, time of the eight highest peaks. Um, the, the kind of highest mountains in a, in a ridiculous amount of time compared to the previous record and, and kind of that same story around the, the short amount of time we've got has inspired a lot of what we've done um, and if, so of course there's no de denying that we, we want to medal both programs want to medal uh, but so do all the other teams at the event um, but for us we've been very clear from kind of day one on this that the medal is one part of mission possible which we, which we believe is, is within our grasp but the other part of Mission Possible is this, this kind of infinite goal where we want to be bigger than a medal. And uh, we know the kind of journey we've been on uh, in the last year or so with having kind of individual programmes taken away from, from the athletes and staff that are involved now. How can we put sevens firmly on the map in, in Great Britain moving forward? Uh, and that's, that's a massive driver for us. And hopefully players, staff aligned, I believe, in terms of that being a real motivation factor for what we're doing now on a daily basis, what we'll do at the games, what we do beyond the games and how we act as a programme, how we act as individuals, um, whether that's results in a medal or not, we want to 
have done kind of the the, the funding that I said last week put in and, and each person who's had a, an influence on this this program today and will do can continue to do so make sure we've done them proud and, and kind of put ourselves in the best place going forward that we can't ignore sevens in this country and we want it to be a sport that we support um, moving forward. Charlie, just just on that before we jump to Ian, how I mean you touched on it there. How how much of a thing individually for the players having, I guess that's maybe the difference in the environments that they've gone from being in full-time jobs to pretty brutally, let's be honest, um, being told they don't have jobs and and just, you know, having to relocate and move back in with parents and and all all those kind of stories that the guys and, and the girls were sharing on social media. How how much of that do you think is an individual driver to prove people wrong or, or just show their worth like deep deep down is is that something you guys have been really quite explicit with or is it just there everyone knows it pissed them off so they just want to make that point like it, where where does that kind of sit within that yeah like, you can't shy away from it um it was, a, it was a tough period at the end of last year and it's certainly a motivational factor for the whole program now moving forward that we've been given this opportunity and how do we make the most on an individual level and as a, a program level uh, moving forward, whether that's GB or unions, the bigger thing here is is the sport and, and what we can do to make sure that sevens can't be ignored. And we know the, the only way that's going to drive forward is from what the people within this program are doing uh, and that we are consistently putting out the best version of ourselves in the next few months uh, towards the games and beyond um, so that we're kind of doing ourselves justice to, to kind of lead ourselves in a better place for the people who come in after the games and moving forward. But yeah, been a, been a massive part of, of the whole conversation. We didn't want it to be swept under and look, we know you've gone through this tough time, but let's just leave it there and let's move forward. It needs to be a part of kind of every day of, of where we're at and a, and a driver for both individuals and, and this whole, whole group that's together. I love that. Thank you. That's no, really honest. Great to hear. Ian, how do you kind of manage the pressure with your athletes? Again, probably go back to my previous comment. Ah, um, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, my guys were flying. Like, they were doing really well in the, in the qualifying periods. Um, like we've got one guy that's currently ranked number one in the world. We've got um, another two or three, oh, yeah, another three that are well within the top 10 in the world in their, in their weight categories. Um, so we were flying. Um, a couple of the guys have got plans after the games, what that needs to look like and, and, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, setting up their own businesses or, you know, whatever they're going to do afterwards. Um, then this hits. And then, but actually, the more we've reflected upon that, yeah, we were flying, but actually was, like, a couple of them were, injured like they, were, they had injuries that were just carrying around and um you know they've had the chance to to have a, a rest and just step back a little bit and just almost do do what we've been talking about already but the soul searching and then I, I mean one of the guys he's come back he's hungry for it he's made, it's made him realize that's what he really wants like even though he was ready to finish up probably after after 2020 but he's what he really wants now as far as like expectations on the guys are concerned like anybody that ever speaks to me they'll always say that I couldn't give a toss about medals at the, at the Paralympic game I, I really couldn't care less like uh, yes your name goes down in the annals of time and, and all that kind of stuff but um, like if you go and you give the best account of yourself 
then that is all I, I care about, literally, as, as a judo coach. Above me, like people needing medals. And I mean, we've already been funded for that cycle. So, like, you know, the next cycle is what we get the next amount of funding for. So, you know, we, we can't do anything about the next cycle. So we've just got to do what we've got to do right now. And I mean, um, so it, uh, in Rio, we had three bronze medal matches um, out of the five athletes that we had there. And, and we lost all three medal matches. That's tough to take as a judo coach. So, yes, we would like to go back and, 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 and get some medals for sure. But it's not the be all and end all. Like for us, it's not the be all and end all. It's, I always tell my guys, you know, when, you, when you're long retired like me, and you've, you've got your kids are older and you've, um, you know, you, you, you're telling your grandkids about your time as a, this superhuman judo fighter that went to the Paralympic Games. That's more important than, than the medal as such, we say. So, so I think like I've tried to put that on the lads. Like, you know, that that's what it's more about, you know, that, that, we, get, that we get there. And then we give our best performance. If that happens, like if the guys go best prepared, they know they've got the potential to win medals because they have done that world and European level. Then if it all falls into place and you get a little bit of luck, then we might walk out of there with a bit of silverware. Be great. You know what I mean? And we do the interviews for Channel 4 and all that kind of stuff. That'd be great. Um, I'm not saying, by the way, that I don't want medals because I really do. I'm so competitive. <laughs> and I will be known as a good coach as well. You know what I mean? So, like, going to a games and losing three medal matches as, a, as, like, you're the coach sat in the chair. Yeah, of course I want that as a young, aspiring coach that's, like, you know, my first big job has been this job. So I want to I want to leave this place in a better place than where I found it, um, which was already in a really good bloody place. So for me to do that is, is good. That's the toughest part, I think. Um, and, like, in, in the lockdown period, I, I've had a chance to build my development squad, for example, like, you know, doing Zoom sessions with development squads. And so we have got a future coming up, um, no matter how much money UK sport gives us or, you know, all, all the funding. Because, I mean, judo got hit big, like, with money um, that we wanted for this cycle. We, we got nowhere near that. So it just makes our programme so much more difficult to run, and we know that, but what can we do about it? We can't do anything about it. So we're just going to have to go with what we've got. And like I say, COVID has made us so resilient. Like all of us. <laughs> I can't worry about that. Just, okay, we've got this, but let's go with it. So, Yeah, maybe taking this off on a tangent, Phil, so feel free to pull the reins as host. But um, I was just curious to both of you, really, like Ian's comments there really resonate with me, like in terms of, I think I've, I don't think I ever considered why I was motivated to coach because I pretty much fell into coaching um, or was pulled in by a coach developer. I remember my mom as I graduated uni in Nottingham telling me to get a job in boots and work my way up from the shop floor to management level because, you know, that was a thing back then. Um, and I guess I'm just curious, like I don't ever, yeah, really ever resonate with why I was doing coaching, what I was motivated by. So I've only ever kind of known that I wasn't particularly driven by winning um uh, the medals weren't enough but equally i've found myself more as i've been fortunate to be surrounded by athletes who were winning medals therefore there's a perception of security within a job and a level in a program in a system um i think i've felt like the invitation to be more creative and be more authentic um i was just curious like at your stage in coaching guys like ha have you navigated 
has the why changed effectively and, and maybe in your kind of form of life in terms of kids or marriage or retirement if you if you were athletes um yourselves because i very much wasn't i was an enthusiastic paddler at best oh good good question uh, uh it's um i've kind of been thrust upon this in, in in lots of ways i think just taking a bit of a personal step on this one around 2018 if you if you ask me this question i was still motivated to go to the tokyo games as a player um and a series of injuries and, and different events has, has led me into the role i'm in now um so my kind of time as a coach or as a, as a kind of leader has been been pretty limited and there's still a lot of the the, the men's squad now are players that, that i've played with um so kind of my motivations uh, as, a, as a coach as a kind of team leader for the program um it's very much about just that continuous improvement of where we can get and, and the, the people involved in this on, on the journey we can go on. Um, and, I, and I think the, the, the piece around, you know, we, we do this, the values piece and the, and the why we're doing it. And we've done that with all the players and they've all kind of come back with their, their meaning behind it. And it's, it puts some perspective on what they're putting out there and what they've kind of gone through. And as you get into that, I think we all seem quite people-focused coaches here. And as you get into that point, it gives you a, a real sense of why you do the role um, to, give, to give them the kind of best chance of, of making their families proud, making kind of all that sacrifice worth it over the years uh, and giving them the best opportunity and platform to, to kind of springboard themselves into that, um, which is just, that's kind of a real big motivation for me. Love that, Charlie. If you've um, you know if you've got any space on that sevens team, mate, I'll I promise I'll get in the gym. I'm all in. Well, you see my flank. Don't rule anything out. I'm a tackler. You know what I mean. I'm a, I'm definitely I'm a flanker all day long. Me, like I love I, I love rugby anyway. Um, yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, the the my why has probably changed actually over the years. Like I, I've always wanted people to enjoy the journey. That's for sure. Like, I, I really want people to enjoy the journey in, um, like in sport because I love my time in sport. Um, you know, I was on the GB team for judo. I wasn't that good. I was I was bang average at best. Like you know, I never went to the Olympic Games, which is the pinnacle for for a judo fighter. But I never went to any major events. I, I was in a few fight offs, and um, so you know, I was I was I was all right, but I never quite made it. And so I think my my initial why was. Um, I want to get to the games, like and and the, when I stepped out, I remember stepping out in in, in Rio, and feeling like I, I belonged. I'd, I'd I'd done something that I really, you know. And I'm just a coach. I'm stood behind the fighter. They're walking out, thinking, "Oh, this crowd's booing me." They're not. They're booing the fighter. They're booing my guy. <laughs> so, but then, but no, I, you know, I always felt that I, I need to probably. Uh, prove myself as a coach as well because I was young as well going to that like as a, a judo fighter I'd only just retired but like same as Charlie I suppose but um, you know and I just I'd, I'd not long come out of being a steel worker because that's what I did for a living instead and um, I just trained to be a teacher like all these my world went mad it went absolutely crazy and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm in one of the karaoke's leading out some of the best fighters in the world and my, my wife changed a little bit but it's very similar because it's still about giving them the best ride ever. Um, like, you know, that they're going to enjoy their, their time in the sport. And I mean, don't get me wrong, medals and titles definitely make you enjoy it a little bit more. 
like if you're getting dashed every event first fight like you don't enjoy it as much do you so but i mean the, you know we've got fighters on the team that are developing fighters and that they're a real family these guys look after each other they've got a you know there's such a bond that's unbelievable because they're all visually impaired they all um, I was going to say see the world in the same way, but they don't because they're visually impaired. <laughs> but they 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 all have a, a common goal, and, and it's attainable for all of them. So, um, but all they wanted was to be, they wanted to be viewed as say as on the same par as our Olympic program. So my why has changed a little bit because it was about getting to the Olympic game, Paralympic games, and getting medal, and that, uh, and then it turned to making our guys viewed upon as the same as the Olympic team, which we are like, our, our, I mean, our, our sport is unbelievable in that, that our Olympic and Paralympic team are viewed exactly the same. Like they get the same support. They get the same. Everything is, is exactly the same. They get a full-time coach. They get full-time S&C. They get everything that they could want. They get. Um, so now my why is probably changing again <laughs> a little bit, you know, that um, I, I do want some success as well. I want the boys to get some success. I want them for exactly what you said there, that, you know, the stories in time, you know, the, the time, uh, the, the boys always talk about, oh, I remember that time in Korea, we were in Korea and Jack stood on a little old lady in the, in the train. They don't talk about his silver medal at the World Games at that, in that point, you know, you know, and, and people shouting Godzilla at him and stuff like that. And, because Jack's 130 odd kilos and this poor lady didn't see her coming. But yeah, so, like they're the stories that people talk about. They're the they're the bits that we they're, they're the bits that we reflect on. Yes, like medals and um, titles are, are important for some people, but I think for my guys, they really want success because of the hard work that they put in, because of the sacrifices, because of um, because of they see the sacrifice I put in as well and the hard work I put in. So they want to get medals for me as well. I, I feel. And you know, maybe for their club coaches as well, because they're the guys that send them on the on the way. Um, but they see I'm so invested in in I'm living in uh, I'm I'm here at Walsall campus. I'm living in Uni Digs, uh, Monday to Friday, just about. And I've got a lovely bed at home. I hate this bed here, but they know that, <laughs> and they they're willing to 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 put in extra miles for me as well. So that my wife changed because of that sort of stuff. I don't even know if that's just gibberish I'm talking there. No, 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 no. I think it makes complete sense. No, I, I love hearing that type of stuff. And and you're, I think you're 100% right about the stories. I think at any level, you know, sport is effectively, as you say, kind of touched on throughout this, even in an individual sport, it's still a social endeavour. Like you're still living in each other's pockets, as Craig said, you're still sharing all those moments with other people. It doesn't happen in isolation. And and I think that that goes all the way through from the first time you, you do any sport all the way through to to clearly the, the pinnacle of those sports. So, um, no, that's great. I am conscious that Charlie's got to shoot off in a minute. So I need to get to kind of like the big question. Um, talk to me about the stash. Like, have all the trimmings gone? Do you get the day in London where you go and try it all on and stuff? Like, is that has that been canned off? Like, is that a downside of this? Where where's where's that type of stuff at? Because that's what this is the kind of thing people want to know. Boring. <laughs> I I always like. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different for the Paralympic team. Uh, sorry, uh, Craig. It's a bit, little bit different for the Paralympic team in that we usually have a real fancy dinner down in London for a send off, and that's we're not doing that. Uh, kitting out, it gets sent to us. Um, 
we're literally it feels like a bit of an anti-climax really in, in some respects because it's just it's a games we know it's a games but it ain't a games because it's a different games so you know and for the right reasons as well like for absolutely right reasons now it the irony of that is that most of the time we want as little distraction as possible we want as little <laughs> a little we don't do a dinner because we're going off to azerbaijan next week like we don't usually do that, but I think to make it feel a little bit special, that bit's probably missing. Um, you know, I have had their Paralympic judo suits, for example. They've had them for a, like, a couple of months now, so they've had them on. They just need to be embroidered now, ready to, for, for the game. So they've had them on. So I think as far as we're concerned, we can just treat it like another competition, which is a bit... Uh, some people cringe at that because it's not just a competition. It's it's still going to be blasted around the world for billions of people to see and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, it's a bit boring this time. Last time was a massive razzle-dazzle. Well, as a, as, a, as a West Midlands lad, Phil, um, or a West Midlands bad boy, as I should say, um, yeah, it, the kitten out is actually in the first city, Birmingham, I believe. Um, and I think, yeah... I mean, I'm sure you guys have sounded this out, but yeah, it's kind of a do we, don't we? Does it fit? Is it worth it with COVID? But we kind of sound check the guys and it's actually myself included, but it's all the four athletes, it's their first games. And I, there was a sense that that's a real key part of the journey. And so, yeah, we're hoping um, if COVID permits to commit to that and we're going to head up to Birmingham on the back of the World Cup in Germany, hopefully in a few weeks' time. Um, yeah, I mean, we were out in Italy last week when the kit broke on, on social media. And yeah, I mean, those guys were all over it. <laughs> so yeah, I think it, the stash is on hopefully Phil, and it's certainly, um, yeah, fuel in the fire for the guys. Um, and hopefully, yeah, with, with a lot of the, the changes or expectations of what the games may be like, I guess our narrative has been like, it will be your games, make of it what you will. Um, you know, some people have been fortunate enough to be on ambition schemes out in, in, in Rio, as I'm sure some of you guys have been. Um, and so, therefore, there's a potential to evaluate against their journey of what it has been like. And we're probably, as young teenagers, they were probably sat in the stands in London, which there's 12,500 people watching canoeing, which, you know, uh, outside of Hungarian flatwater canoeing, I don't think that happens. Um, so, yeah, I think... BOA are doing a, a measured job in trying to keep it real and keep it alive for the athletes and hopefully we're able to live enough of that um, on the journey towards the games. Tommy Mitch already had his stash delivered, hand-delivered, hand didn't he, Charlie? That was, I saw his, uh, his little photo shoot on the pitch. So big big names get it first, right? He was insisting that we went down and took photos of him. That was just for his personal collection, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Nothing to do with us. No, it's, uh, it is exciting. I think it's a good point all around, though, around managing the game's expectation around this is going to be different and there's a danger that you compare it to Rio or compare it to what's in your, your mind around around what an Olympics should be. And I think a lot of teams or, or sports may trip up on that, that this is going to be a different games. And, and certainly for some of our players who have done Rio, just that temptation to compare it to what they had and the success they had um, and what the games uh, was for them is certainly going to be different. And, and that's the right up into the lead up. You know, you talk about kitting out um, just the logistics of getting there. If we've got competition leading up and then we've got a quarantine afterwards. What time can you fit in? It's, um, you know, it presents a lot of challenges for that sense. 
no popping off to Copacabana Beach for a beer. There's none of that in Japan. Periodist day, you're out, sunshine. As soon as your competition's finished, off you go. So, yeah. I think, I think the main the main issue I've heard, Charlie, is that, you know, we, we were booked in on day one of the kitting out to get all the good sizes. And then, you know, a World Cup change, COVID kicked in, and then we're binned out to, like, day 10. So, you know, we're on the scrap soon. <laughs> well, we were last day, but we, we, made, we may be changing that plan because uh, of quarantine stuff. So... As with all these things, as we just Ian said, you can you can plan everything, and I've probably gone through three or four iterations of this, and I'm sure it will change again in the next couple of weeks as well. So it will be what it will be. Important to note, it's a first world problem, very much in light of what we've all been <laughs> experiencing. I think. My, to be fair, my suitcases are getting a bit tatty now, so I do need a new suitcase. So. Uh... <laughs> love it just just on that i mean what are your expectations are you are you all just thinking you'll get there you'll be in a bubble you'll you'll zoom each other you'll see each other for training and when you compete and that's it like is is that kind of bare minimum expectation or or is there a little bit more to it what what's the kind of general rundown of once you step off the plane there what are you what are you kind of thinking yeah i, I guess we just got back from the euros and i know these guys are on the on the cusp of head into competition so maybe give a taste of what that was like and I think um rational thoughts suggest that it will be you know more intense than that and more constrained than that so we were obviously testing 10 days I think we had three tests on the lead-in um test on arrival three tests while we we're there I've got a test tomorrow two days back and then I've got a test to release on a fast track system on day six I think otherwise we go to day eight um Sounds like at the games, it could be testing every day, if not every other day. Um, we were, you know, masks at all times, indoor and out. Obviously, that was a little bit specific to Italy um, with the situation out there. But um, fair to say, as a British nation of um, due diligence and health and safety, we were probably more strict than our counterparts in Europe. Um, but yeah, I think... It's definitely the little bits like getting used to, you know, like, so we went down for a PCR test one morning and it, that added an, an extra unplanned hour to an athlete's like lead into an event. Now we knew it'd take time, but we didn't know how much time and it's kind of how big's the queue. There's a window. When do you go? Um, so there's a little bit of that going on, but I think it's just a sense now of, yeah, you kind of plan for it to be extremely constrained. Um, you know, and we're planning for social interactions. We're planning for food to be delivered to the rooms. And um, we were looking at staring down the barrel of, as a venue specific sport, we were going to take that up, but we were looking at five weeks lead in, in Japan. Um, subsequently changed in the last week again. Um, and now we're on two or three, but even that in itself, having done one week in Italy, you know, it was good to get under our belt to kind of see how we all manage in that sense of isolation and how we can be social um, and creating opportunities around that. We've, we've certainly changed our plan in terms of everyone knows there are 2020 games. There was the, the jet lag element and the heat element, which was well talked about and, and lots of preparation gone into that. And now the third element of the COVID mental well-being getting the, the balance between getting those two bits right because they're not going to disappear or go away but also there is going to be lockdowns restrictions uh, whichever way we look at it so we're not going to be able to go out and, and have those downtimes in Japan and see the see the country we are going to go 
from a flight to prep camp to the village and that will be Japan for us and it's and it's getting the understanding for both players and athletes that that's the case and it, and it does change things a little bit because we as a sport uh, obviously we travel a fair bit with the, the World 7 Series and you have your downtime and, and like to go out and see the places but this is getting that balance between still having the switch off time but you're still in a village you're still potentially in kit you're still around other athletes you're not going to be able to go, out, go for a coffee um, play cards all that stuff outside that bubble uh, the most important things to rugby players, those those things, uh, the coffee and the cards. I'm sure that's make the same with most sports. Make me laugh there, Charlie. So we went to five weeks in Japan and there's a Ferris wheel that overlooks Fuji and the venue outside our hotel. And I kept saying to my physio every day, oh, we got to head up there, man. And he was like, no, it's not a clear day. We've got to wait for a clear day so we can see Fuji. So we'll have plenty of time. And I'm never getting up that Ferris wheel because I won't be <laughs> No, I, was, I mean, I don't know if it's the same in an individual uh, team sport, Charlie, but maybe for Ian, like um, maybe a little insight behind the scenes, Phil, is that there's an expectation that athletes will have to leave, the, leave Japan 48 hours after their individual event. So our event spans six days with a, with a reserve day for, you know, force majeure, et cetera. Um, and in an individual team of just four athletes, when you're used to that kind of bond of social support, you know, we, we've got a plan for the last athlete pretty much feeling very lonely by that point. Um, so, yeah, there's, and obviously from a mental health and well-being perspective, and I understand why it's been done, like, you know, the, the hot debrief, cold debrief that you need to do in detail with a good support network is, is being challenged as well. So there's some constraints around that. I don't know if that's the same for you guys, Ian. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty lucky really in the fact that we're usually very early in the game. So we'll be daylight, oh, we're a little bit later this time, but we'll be daylight four, five, six or something like that. We're usually one, two, three. Like that's how soon we normally are. Um, so we then get the rest of the time just to party and just, you know, relax a little bit and a blow steam and, uh, and whatnot. So, which is a good thing, you know, but um, this time it's, it's almost like we're getting in, we're getting out. Um, I mean, again, we're, we're very lucky in the fact that we have been to Japan on numerous, numerous occasions. The lads know what Japan is all about. They've been, we've, we, I mean, we've been to Mount Fuji. We've, um, you know, we've done the sushi bars. We've done a lot of this sort of stuff. We've, we even planned out where we're going to have our sake afterwards. Um, you know, like uh, our celebratory sake, no matter what. Um but we know that's not going to be the same now. So the expectations have been managed very early about what that needs to look like. And the boys are really happy with that. They're, they're more than happy with, you know, let's just go and do what we've got to do. They've been to the, the arena that we've, we're going to fight in. They, we, we took a sneaky trip uh, during the world, the able body world championships. And we, we got ourselves into the main map as well, which, you know, not many people can do that. It's like me who plays rugby for Scunthorpe, just sneaking onto Twickenham for a quick uh, chuck about. <laughs> you know, so, but that's that's exactly what happened. And we we got ourselves, we got feet on the mat, we got hands on the mat, lots of video footage of it, we got lots of pictures of it. So the guys know what to expect, and um, yeah, they're 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 pretty cool as far as that's concerned. Like they they know what's gonna what's gonna come there. So. Charlie, I'm conscious of your time and I don't want to make you late for your meeting, mate. So if you need to shoot, I've, pro I've probably got kind of one more question for, for these guys, but don't, um, yeah, please please do shoot off and uh, if you need to. Oh, hang on, I've got to, uh, they can start it without me. I'm thinking they uh, can join in a couple of minutes. Oh, nice, top man. That's commitment. Thank you. Um, yeah, last question, I guess. So I, I'm just really interested, how, how big an impact is 
this commitment and the quarantine and everything else on on your families because i often think that's uh, there's obviously a lot of excitement about getting to go to a games and and do some pretty wonderful stuff but and, and i'm sure that you know absolutely made up that you guys get to experience that but how much of a strain is that on on relationships and on the time and and you know those kind of challenges because i do, I do think that maybe gets overlooked in the narrative sometimes yeah for me as i mentioned earlier i've got a, a kind of a little girl he's coming up to two now um and throughout covid of all the negative that's been it brought, it brought that positive time that i could spend a lot of time with her you know, last year that's kind of flipped on its head since starting this and uh we're now in a camp system we're away monday to thursday monday to friday each each kind of week um and as we start to open up international travel and, and the games and beyond it, it's certainly you know it's, it's difficult luckily there's there's facetime and there's little interactions and snippets you get and they know and, and certainly my wife and family have, have been with me through playing and being away for large periods of time and and know the kind of commitment that you you put to it um and cope extremely well but like knowing that they're looked after and that support network is is massive and allows me in a selfish way to to focus on on this certainly whilst i'm here and I'm sure everyone does the kind of silly hours at points um, just to, to get through that. But knowing your, your family being supportive and, and are there as a network around you it is massive. But you do have to, in many ways, be quite selfish with, with your time, especially when you know you've got a, a major games coming up or, or the opportunity we've been given. Um, it is just, just managing the two of those. Yeah, no, sim similar to Charlie, Phil. Um, yeah, two young daughters under seven, so and one, one, two. So yeah, experienced. You know, it's my time was challenged certainly when my eldest daughter was born with with trips to Australia and all sorts. So definitely felt really privileged to enjoy a bit more time. Um, I think the main thing, Phil, like we'd planned. Um, I absolutely love Asia for traveling anyway. Love curry and all sorts. So we were like Japan. This is going to work. Um, got a month off post games. The girls were going to come out, watch the games, hopefully get inspired by the whole sporting movement. Um, we were going to travel around Japan for a month and then kind of kick back home and, and see what happens. But um, yeah, it's grad gradually unraveled, I guess. And there's a sense that like, you know, how do we now make them feel a part of the games and share it? Um, it went from them very much being immersed in it to potentially, although that's now changed me being away for six weeks, um, you know, and I, I guess same as you guys when we go away now and due to COVID restrictions, we don't live near family or childcare support. So it's quite difficult to get help. Um, therefore, you, there's that little bit of like edge to going on a trip that, you know, you, you, you know, you know, you know, your other half who is, yeah, same as Charlie, a, a massive rock in terms of understanding what we do. But, you know, you put an extra strain on the situation there. So um, challenging in that respect. Um, I think it's uh, yeah currently working on how we weave ways. Kind of, I, I a while ago we kind of being quite a family person. I kind of had a little chat to myself that the athletes had to become part of the extended family, and and how we embedded them into our own family and trying to build relationships between the girls to them. And that that's been challenged. You know, they barely met my two year old, for example, for obvious reasons. So yeah, looking forward to hopefully embedding that a little bit in because I think that makes a big difference. I don't know about you guys, but for me, they almost have to become part of family. Otherwise, I can't, I can't weigh it up. No, I don't want mine anywhere near my family. They can be my judo family completely away. Too much drama. Too much. <laughs> my, my family. I, I, I'm so far opposite to these guys. It's unbelievable. I feel so old um, 
my son's coming up 21. He's like, he's at Durham University. So my daughter is 16. She was just finishing school and everything hit. So she missed the prom. She missed, um, you know, she's, she's, how best put this, like an obsessed dancer. So she's like, she dances like eight hours a day and all that kind of stuff. So actually for, for them, they probably wanted me out of the way. Um, you know, they, they, they actually quite enjoy the fact that I'm away and, and whatnot. And they, they understand it as well. They get it, you know, that my job is, is, is got massive responsibility, you know, to help people achieve dreams and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but they, they were a little bit concerned about me because they want me to get out there and go do what I wanted to do. But then, like, they're, they're going through, these young people are going through, like my son should be enjoying himself. Like he was playing football for about five different football teams at university. And, um, you know, essentially had the last year just taken away from him because he's, he's not lived the university in life. Now I never did. So, um, you know, I, I did my university a little bit later and lasted it from home. So I never went to university. So it was really exciting for me to hear all these stories but there has been no stories for the last year. He's just doing archaeology, you know. So <laughs> and them stories aren't too interesting sometimes, you know. So but um but my, my daughter's taken over the front room, so she's dancing it all the front room. I mean, just that sort of stuff. So we we definitely we're a strong family, you know, we're we're very strong in that sense. So I think the one thing that we did do is we got a little puppy, and I'm not like a dog person, we got a pug and um like He's, he's, we called him Manny, obviously, after Liverpool, because I'm a big Liverpool fan. And um, like he's been crap this season. So, and I think I put it down to that dog, you know, but he's been a, he's been a, 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 a like a, a real breath of fresh air for us, you know, because it's he, like, we take him out of walks, he's crazy, bites everything, he runs, he's a kleptomaniac. And um, the whole family's gelled a little bit more together because of that. Um, so when I go away, for a couple of days or a week or something, I come back. He's like the happiest person in the world to see me, you know. Whereas my daughter's like, "What are you doing back?" I thought he was like a couple of weeks away, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, so I think it. I'm in a much easier position, but then that's because I've got more people worrying about me. Like I've got more people bothered. Like you know, like little kiddies, blushes. Like it's now nah, this is about them. Like they they're not too fussed if you if you're a little bit obsessed with your sports and stuff like that. So as my kids can see, oh dad really wanted this to be done in 2020. Like he, he really wanted this to be done. So and every time something gets knocked back, they can see it on my face or they can see something going on. So yeah, it's nice to have that support, that's for sure. Yeah. The missus she she detests me being out. So I've, I've got I've got obsessed with making pallet furniture and you know doing decking and stuff like that and, I, and I'm not very good at it. So she's she's like, oh, please, can you just go back to work? <laughs> oh, like an unbelievable house husband with the cooking and the decking. I know. I do, I do it all crap, but the way I look at it, I think it's great. <laughs> I think I'm amazing at that, and I'm really not. <laughs> oh, guys. I absolutely love it. This this has been a fantastic conversation, and I'm sure we, you know, we genuinely probably could go on for another hour. But um, yeah, Charlie, I don't I don't want Rocky coming after me. So um, I think we'll. Uh, he's a pretty scary guy. Um, 
well yeah we'll park it there i think and and i'm just really really looking forward to part two um where we get to kind of you know debrief everything and and see what the experiences were like but um yeah i guess just just for me a, a huge good luck and in all your kind of prep events charlie i know you guys have got the the games this weekend and um other other prep stuff and and then when you get to you know both games just yeah i really wish you all the best and all your athletes all the best and fingers crossed it is uh, still a pretty magical experience and you you know you come out of it with uh, with what you like so um yeah guys thank you very much for your time uh, i'm going to round up the roundup so uh to all those listening we hope you enjoyed the episode thanks again to my guests for their time and contributions to just a genuinely brilliant discussion uh look forward to talking with them in a few months time um like to thank everyone for continuing to listen to the roundup and making it such a fun part of my week i I genuinely can't believe i've still got anyone left listening after a year um is that is still a pretty big shock so uh feedback and suggestions are always welcome please do get in touch if you have any uh please continue to subscribe like and share and as always i'd like to thank you for listening wish all the best and go well